Hello and welcome to the Sub Pop Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Woohoo! <laughs> so there's been a lot of change going on at Sub Pop. Um, like actually in the office in recent months, our warehouse moved. We've been remodeling what was the warehouse space and we were lucky enough, us as the podcast, we're lucky enough to have some space set aside for us for a brand new podcasting studio. It's true. And listeners of season one might recall us fondly referring to our makeshift studio last season as what, the murder closet, (laughs) the burlap lined room. Lovingly. Lovingly, of course. But so now we're in the new space, our mm-hmm. new home, and we had to, you know, get some soundproofing up and we're mid, we're in the middle of it right now. We're not totally done, but we're feeling pretty good. Felt I like we were making some really good progress. Until yesterday, I was incredibly proud of it. Yeah. And so we thought, let's bring in some staff and see what they think of this, the, of the new, of the new podcast room. We, we did. And we did. <laughs> Can you describe this room for someone who can't see it? Looks like... There's soundproofing that's made out of burlap sacks. It's got a pleasant carpet color. It's got a lot of burlap. Some ribbed foam panels. I don't mind the walls. Um, burlap. I'll take them. I feel like I'm in the, in the inside of a bag of coffee beans or something. Is it always lit like this? <laughs> it's a little dark. <laughs> it's like... You know that one room in Breaking Bad when they like have all the money in that big cube? Uh-huh. Yeah, like that's kind of what this room looks like. Windowless, dark, bleak. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Do you feel comfortable in here? Absolutely not. <laughs> What's your emotional state in this room? How does it make you yeah, actually okay. feel? Yeah. I don't know. It has to do with this room or that mic they have in, in front of my face right now, but I feel a little panicked, and I have a, I'm starting to have a fight-or-flight response. <laughs> it feels more like a murder closet. <laughs> um, I feel like I may never come out of this room. What does this room smell like to you? It's not as bad as when I first walked in, so maybe I'm already getting used to it. <laughs> But what are you getting used to? <laughs> Paintish, unventilated, foam-esque. Would you be comfortable hanging out with us in here? I'm already not. <laughs> Do I want to hang out with you in this room? The longer I'm in here, the more comfortable I'm becoming. Really? Oh, that's nice. great! Yeah. <laughs> Can you remind me of your guys' names? Alyssa, Alyssa and Arwen. That's right. Cool. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) So, yes, listener or listeners, if there is more than one of you, I'm Arwen. I am here with Alyssa. We're we're back, the host of the Sub Pop podcast from the brand new and apparently not at all improved. (laughs) <laughs> at least vibe-wise, murder closet. People people seem to love it. They seem to really love it. Yeah. Uh, I really like the new tagline that we got from our GM, Chris Jacobs. You'll get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you will. You know, this response from our coworkers doesn't necessarily bode well for 
unsuspecting interviewees. No, fight or flight. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> fight not. Or flight? I'm not sure that's exactly the response I want to elicit when I'm trying to get people to feel comfortable when we bring them in here. It's like, oh, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy touring schedule to come in and talk to us. I'm going to make you feel like you want to die or are going to be killed. <laughs> I mean, like it was a joke when we called it the murder closet before, but like the reaction we're getting from people now. So great. <laughs> there might be some work to do. We're gonna get some plants. Yeah, and and those guests, are, people will like it in here. I think so. I hope so. Yeah. And well, speaking of people we're interviewing, oh who's right, on the, who's on the second episode today? Today we are gonna be hearing from um, Clipping, from all three members of Clipping, and Sam Beam, aka Iron and Wine. Yeah. Um, lovely gentleman. But before we get into Sam's interview, Alyssa, you had the idea for us to bring in Stuart. Stuart Meyer, a true sub-pop beloved character if ever there was one. Absolutely. I mean, he's just a gem. And he's worked with Sam for years. So yeah. who better to help kind of explain sub-pop's working relationship with Sam Bean than the Stuart Meyer? <clears throat> Stuart? Yes. Uh, who are you? Who am I? Uh... <laughs> Stuart Meyer. I'm in charge of our manufacturing and production, and I do A&R duties as well. So you're Sam's A&R guy. What does that yeah. mean? So, you know, sort of his point person here. He does what he wants to do, and I've had a little bit of influence here and there. Not, not a lot. Uh, you can try to say, Sam, you should do this. It never happens. Um, how would you describe him if you had to describe him to someone who'd never met him? What's his personality like? Um, he's uh, just, he's a super nice guy, like really genuinely. Um, low key, smart, thoughtful. You know, he's obviously, a, from what I can tell, a great parent of five girls. Um, just a really sweet guy. Uh, it was one of the things, actually, I was going to say he's super funny. Aaron, what was your first impression of him when you met him? Of Stuart? Uh, sure, yeah, I meant Sam, but yeah, Stuart. <laughs> of Stuart. Uh, Stuart is a devoted son. Um, <laughs> he is. He is, and he has a very good relationship with his mom. They talk a lot. And uh, I am, and I eavesdrop on those conversations frequently. And you can't help it. You can't help in it. In this office. Um, and I feel no shame in saying that I am obsessed with Stuart. <laughs> We're going to need to get more on Stuart Meyer. Um, he doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but first impressions come up a lot because Sam, didn't you talk about some first impressions right. in your interview? Yes, Sam Beam. Sam talked about the first time he met Isaac Brock. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a... Modest Mouse, but to sub-pop, Ugly Casanova, right? Right, and I would say that um, there was nothing modest about Isaac's first <laughs> impression <laughs> on Sam. And what else did you talk to him about? Well, I also... Moving got, on. Moving on. Uh, the interview begins with me asking Sam about writing, about how he makes these beautiful songs. Great. It sounds silly, but a lot of times I would let rhymes guide the song and even songs that people would imagine were very heartfelt. <laughs> it's a strange, you know, it, you shouldn't, shouldn't delve too deep into the inspiration of things because obviously they do come from inside me. I'm not gonna say something that I, that I disbelieve or something, but where it, the way that I get to those statements is sometimes really silly. I don't like giving away the magic trick. No. 
home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you don't want to see the magic show anymore. That's no fun. By Jonathan. Yeah. And um, you had to play for Isaac. Do you remember that? (laughs) Of course I do, yeah. (laughs) Will you paint that scene for me and tell me what happened? Okay. Well, I had been speaking to Subop for a a while, and they were like, okay, let's do this thing. (laughs) Like, okay, yeah, let's put this music out. They were like, we suggest, we strongly suggest that you tour. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I had no band. I'd never played for anyone. You never, never played. played for anyone? No, I never played a concert, ever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous story. Because I was just, you know, I just recorded, wrote songs and recorded music as a hobby for fun in my spare time. And so then it all of a sudden became a real thing. Um, and they were like, well, we strongly suggest that you go on tour. <laughs> like, okay, I strongly hear you. And they were... Um, and so they said, well, we have, you know, we're doing this record with Isaac and um, he wants to come down and basically vet me or, you know, like audition me to be the first of three on this tour uh, opening up before the opener. Um, and this is for Ugly Casanova, right? Yeah, this okay. is Ugly Casanova record. The parasites are excited when you're dead. They came down, and I think I had only met Jonathan and Megan once. Um, and so I went down to South Beach and picked him up at this hotel, and then there was Isaac. And we went to Brooke's gallery, and we had like a cookout. And he, Brooke just in, we just invited all our friends. I invited all my teaching buddies and filmmaking buddies and, and just friends. My wife's midwife friends were all there, my kids friends from school <laughs> you know it was just ridiculous and so I got up and played some stuff and then Isaac uh, they thought it would be really funny to wear a weenie bikini like they do on the those little Euro bathing suits like they do on the on South Beach and so Isaac had a American flag um, swimsuit <laughs> and played a couple tunes as well <laughs> I talked to him about it recently and he, and he tried to apologize like saying I didn't mean to like make fun of what was happening I was just trying to I think he realized what how awkward it would have been for me to be having to audition this whole the whole scene was just ridiculous and so he was trying to deflate so what did it feel like mm-hmm. that first mm-hmm. performance how did it feel for you uh, it was, I mean, it was fine. I mean, I don't know what people got out of it, or I guess I passed. <laughs> it took me a long time, even, you know, years of playing concerts to enjoy doing it. <laughs> I find the value in getting up and just being in the moment. do you get asked the most often? Uh, they, the beard inevitably comes up 
People ask about your beard all the time? They do. It's amazing. You would think that I had invented the fucking beard. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it's just bananas to me. How, what are how they much asking you? They ask me about the beard, I think, because they're just... I, I've started to, to worry that it's like they don't have anything, they're not interested in the music or they're not interested in like <laughs> actually interested in anything that I do. So they're just like, well, he has a beard. What's it like to have such a big beard? <laughs> or like, do you have to wash that thing? And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, it's, it, I mean, and I've been doing this for a while now, like 15 years or so. And they still like, it always comes up. It's crazy. It just feels like the so many people that I talk to, like women who play music, they yeah. always get asked, "What's it like to be a woman in music?" Instead yeah. of getting asked about their music, and it seems yeah. like a similar thing. Like, right. what's it like to have a beard in music? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. That always that's frustrating to me too. That the ladies get. It's it's not even Stephen. It's crazy. No, it's it's, it's just bizarre. Did you find that while you were doing dual interviews with Jessica that people would interview her differently? Um, well, with us, I think because um, I have a different... It was it was very frustrating sometimes, not so much as the male-female thing, but more that my stature sort of in music is... I'm more... You know, she's had a hard shake, and she's not known not as well-known as she should be. And so they were always, like, asking me... So and I was like, she's right here, you know, ask us about this thing. Yeah. Um, that was frustrating. That last song on the interview was from Sam Beam and Jessica Hoop's recent release that came out just this April. It's called Love Letter for Fire, and I get the feeling that we're going to be hearing more from both Sam and Jessica in the future. Just might be. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. You know some takeaways from that interview for me? Uh, I liked Ask Jessica Hoop about Jessica Hoop, even if she's right. sitting next to Sam Beam. Can you just imagine an interviewer being like, <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Beam, I would like to talk to you about this Jessica girl. What do you think <laughs> of her songwriting? Like, I wonder if that helped Sam like, realize, or I appreciate that he realized that um, things aren't exactly even Steven yeah. or even Sally. <laughs> For the ladies out there, thanks, Sam. Oh, my goodness. I also love uh, that he didn't invent the fucking word. <laughs> Good to know. Take note. <laughs> My God. But oh, also man. the weenie bikini bit. Yes. I mean, it's just true okay. story. True Isaac story. Brock getting up in a Alyssa's new favorite term. I love the face you're making. Weenie <laughs> bikini. I had actually never heard that. I had heard banana hammock and all of it, but weenie bikini. That was a new one for me. Thanks, I like Sam. him calling it like one of those uh, Euro bathing suits, you know, the weenie bikini. Oh, it's so oh good. God. And you know, weenie <laughs> bikinis are currently not sold at the Sub Pop Mega Mart. That might need to change. Yeah, Mega Mart. Speaking of Mega Mart, let's hear one of our office famous ads. Office famous. Not worldwide, office famous. Very local, locally produced. 
Stuart. Yeah? This is your first official Mega Mart of the new season. <laughs> yep. I did notice there wasn't one in the first episode. Yeah, you noticed that, huh? Mm-hmm. When that aired, it was awesome, that debut of the season. <laughs> I felt like that first episode in itself was kind of a sub-pop ad for the airport store in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, like, overburden the listener with uh, calls to consume. Right. Although, we really need people to consume right now. <laughs> Do we? Are we in bad shape? Yeah, the company's about to go out of business. Oh my god. Yeah, we need to sell them records. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing, but that could be true. Oh <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we just work here. Um, you know, another thing that could help sa- sales, like kind of no matter what, what, no matter how we're doing, just maybe adding where you can buy this stuff in, <laughs> in the ad, throw in a website I reference. Ad is such a loose, <laughs> loose term. <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, you know what? In this next interview with Clipping, they note that they really appreciate art that asks more questions than provides answers. Are and you it made ins- me think. <laughs> That maybe what we're just doing is creating really interesting art. I love the ads. idea that um, these ads are not ads. They're they're art. They're like our our Campbell's soup painting. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> I think that's the only way to look at it. <laughs> they're either art Could or be. they're garbage, but they're definitely not ads. I'm going with art. I'm going with art. <laughs> okay, so moving on. This next interview is with the fine gentlemen of Clipping, the ones that we're discussing art. Um, they're a hip-hop group. Sub Pop has hip-hop on the label. Yes, we do. It's true. We do. Moving yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So do you remember, Alyssa, how this interview came to be? What was going on? Oh God, the I chaos do. of it? I do. Okay, so Clipping were in town for like one day, not even a full 24 hours. David had just flown in on a red eye. And we had like this series of interviews and meetings that we had just booked them one right after the other. And they were in the conference room doing an interview with like some prestigious magazine or much more well-known. Door closed. Door closed, but I could see in. Yeah. And it kept looking like they were done. And so our turn was up next. And I would just like come in and be like, hey guys, sorry to interrupt. Nope, they're still on the phone with this interview. How many times did you interrupt them? At least twice. (laughs) At least twice. But, and so I'm just this over-eager, hey, oh no, not yet? Do you okay. need to finish your interview with your actual, like, real magazine? <laughs> um, so there was that, uh-huh. which is so rude and annoying, and I would like to formally apologize. But they were so nice. They were so nice. Yeah. Like, once I finally got to introduce them to and they you. Were, I mean, just to underline the fact that they were super busy again david had just flown in on a red eye they were all meeting up here they had all these other interviews and they still like they only had a half an hour to talk to me they were like no sure and they they were so nice they were so why were they so busy what in part oh i guess we have forgotten we have failed to mention thus far that um david is a member of the cast of hamilton the broadway musical was at the time yeah. yeah and like that 
you know, Hamilton won all these Tonys. David won a Tony. David like, specifically David is specifically. a Tony, He's a Tony award award-winning winner. artist. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Virginia, my home sweet home, I want to give you a kiss. I've been in Paris meeting lots of different ladies. I guess I basically missed the late 80s. I travel the wide, wide world and came back to this. But when we first started working with Clipping a few years ago, they were just like this band or this this group that was being talked about in the office a lot. And it felt like there was always something new to un, like discover about them. Yeah, you told me they were like an office favorite. Yeah, and one of the things that got, at least for me, I was really, I remember being really excited to find out that Bill and Jonathan of Clipping were responsible for the original score of a movie called Room 237, which if you don't know, please just allow this like, Quick little segue into Room 237 is a film which, like, explores all these, like, theories, theories and, yeah. about the movie The Shining, Shining yeah. which Arwen just finally saw for I the did. first time. It was incredible, of course, and I'm obsessed with it now and, like, drawing pictures of scenes from The Shining because I'm yes. weird. But uh, like and her obsessions. My obsessions. Yes. And so my new obsession right now is The Shining. And so I was, you know tweeting about the fact that I was like watching this and my reactions to watching it in real time and every person was like oh my god you have to watch room 237 it's true and so the next day I did and, and it's incredible and more a little more trivia if you can just please bear with me because I just can't even help myself <laughs> room 237 is directed by the incredible Rodney Asher who I learned about because of that movie and then just ended up on his website fully immersed in all of the things he is doing and one of the things he is doing is that he directed Clipping's Wriggle video that came out this summer, and it's amazing. There's, there's, I can't stop. Yeah. I can't stop. And you should definitely check out the soundtrack that Bill and Jonathan, the original score that they did oh, for yeah. 237. Um, there's, there's a video of them making it. I can't stop with the video comments, but it's true. There's yeah. a video of them putting together <laughs> the score. I like that you're nerding out on video stuff. <laughs> I know. So, yes. Hectic schedules, rude interruptions from Melissa. I'm <laughs> <Seven>, sorry. <laughs> and these, like, these are, I mean, to be fair, like, David is really busy. Like, he had just won a Tony. Like, all these things were going on with Hamilton. He's, you know, getting all these acting roles. But, like, Bill and Jonathan, along with being, you know, film composers, like, score composers for film, like, they're also in other musical projects they also you know bills an academic like there are all these things happening they're very accomplished people the fact that they were so nice and gave me their time was just it was really generous like gracious I, yeah and generous i don't want to be too effusive yeah. but like they really <laughs> charmed me <laughs> I, like clipping was 100% a weird side project, passion project that none of us knew. We all loved doing, but none of us knew if it was good or anything. And it, for some reason, has become the thing, at least for myself and William, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we have achieved the most acclaim for. Um, <laughs> perhaps that's not true for our third member. <laughs> Let's see what he's been up to. <laughs> Of 
a man is a massacre made up of many a miniature message it misses the most of it so convoluted designed for disaster it's making the best of a universe far too expansive to cope with and he never chose nor was chosen by metrics that make any sense and the senses are numbed by emotional stresses there must be a better place to be somebody be somebody else you cannot we cannot make a decision about what kind of song we're going to put out based on whether we think it's going to be popular. There is no use for us to try and do something because it's going to stick. So you may as well just only do things that you only put things out that you are really really like. If you can do that, I think you're you're going to be fine because if one of them does stick then you're cool. And doing. I think we've gotten them like we've discovered and we were just talking about this last night when we, uh, is that um, the things that have stuck are a lot are oftentimes the thing that the three of us were like, well, we like it. <laughs> Don't know if anyone else will. And then weirdly, like that's worked out for us. Nobody, nobody ever likes anything for the reason that the artist made it. I don't think like that. That, that right. seems like it's pretty rare. And I certainly figured that out in like previous projects. That like the reason that I was doing things and the things that I was hearing and what I was making were not what anybody else heard and not what anybody else liked about them if they liked them. So I kind of gave up on that pretty quickly and just thought, well, the most important thing is that there's something for somebody to grab onto. So rather than trying to like manipulate an audience into feeling a certain way or getting a certain idea or a certain thing, to me it's just, it's much more interesting to just start a conversation or have like something for somebody to grapple onto. I mean, a lot of my favorite acts and a lot of my favorite like art and music is sort of like deliberately contradictory and it's never vague but it like having a lot of like sort of really clear contradictory or at least at ideas that are at, at odds with each other the art that asks questions as opposed to provides answers i think is a lot more interesting and so when you make art like that then you really have no idea how people are <laughs> going to respond to it too but i think that's i mean that's super exciting So we were going to tour with our friends Foot Village from L.A., who um, sadly don't play as a band anymore. And Garrett, who works here, was booking a show, the show for them at a place called the Black Lodge. It's like kind of a warehouse. And he heard our material that, and sent that to Tony, who then emailed me. I was in argentina when this happened right and you guys were in la oh, right yeah. oh right <laughs> oh man we played a show we played a show me. without you yeah. <laughs> yeah the one time we played a show without jonathan was the one that tony came That's to yeah <laughs> well he came it was amazing <laughs> little did he know <laughs> how shitty all the rest of them were gonna be <laughs> yeah, he came to, yeah no this was really great because he came to the smell which is this um kind of all, scummy all ages like legendary but you know filthy place in in LA that we were playing and we sort of knew that this was like oh that someone from Sub Pop is coming to this show <laughs> this big, and he was at, you know no 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 offense to Tony but he was definitely the oldest person in the room so we figured out exactly who he was <laughs> right. 
you know, David like opens with an acapella really fast and then I just flipped on some like a blast of noise. And the second that happened, some like 17 year old just elbowed Tony in the sternum as hard as he could. <laughs> and I just remember being like, well, there goes our chances. <laughs> we just we just got the sub pop guy punched really hard in the mosh pit of all these, you know, pointy young children. <laughs> drives me crazy that I'm, you know, as someone who, like, has, you know, also does what is called noise music, that, like, doing any established genre badly makes you the experimental yeah. version of that. Right. It's like, I, and I would get, I would get so sick of this, where, it's, where we'd be at noise shows, and I'd be playing, and I work at this, this is my, I am good at noise yeah. music, and then I'd be playing with, oh yeah, that's like the noisy... Uh, metal band and it was like no that just means they're the bad metal band it's the ones that can't play their instruments like why are we the lowered bar for every other genre like that's not the, like <laughs> just sucking at your music is does not make you experimental <laughs> well, I, mean, I think people hear like people hear noise or people hear experimental music people hear things without like fixed rhythms without fixed pitch systems right and they assume that like because because of the way we understand like musicianship, right? You work really hard playing scales and learning to play really rhythms really tightly and you hear music that doesn't have those trappings and so you assume that it must be really easy to play and that anyone can do it, right? And on the one hand, that's great because that's a really nice window for people who like me are lazy and don't want to practice. But but also, but, but it's also like, it feels like a sort of carte blanche to be able to do whatever you want and to have no taste on top of that, which I find utterly frustrating. And it's like, well, no, it's it's, it gives us the ability to not rely on chops, but that means that the ideas have to be even stronger, right? And then, and then, and the like, the, the the rigor has to, like, you need to do more work. We we learned a long time ago how different we were, and it's sort of strange that we found each other. But this was something that we, Jonathan and I, started talking about. Uh, you know, 16 years ago, which was that uh, I, I don't, you know, the way I make work is to look into the world and say, what is what what should get made? What would I want to hear that is not getting made? Uh, you know, because I, you know, I have I have a PhD. I'm an academic, and I wrote record reviews for a long time. And there'd be so many instances where I'm like, man. I'm writing this review of this record or I'm writing an article about this phenomenon and it would be this article would be so much better if only this piece of art actually did the thing I'm arguing that it does. <laughs> it's like and then I would get all these ideas and be like, "Well, that doesn't exist." Uh, if it did exist, I would have this fucking killer conference paper to write. Uh, so then it became, "Well, I guess we'll just make that." Because yeah. it's not there. And it was it's less about like, oh, this is what's inside of me and I need to get this out. It became, well, crap, There's I got this idea and there's this hole that is missing. And if someone else did it, I would just happily be the guy who wrote about it. Um, but since it doesn't exist, we got to somehow put it into the world yeah. so someone else can write. It's true. We have so many ideas that we're like, oh, man, that's a really good idea. I don't think we're ever going to do it, but somebody should do it. And then, like, something will come out that's pretty close. I'm like, oh, okay, thank God. We can just check that one off the list and not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, like, it's helpful to have, you know, like, I writing is 
hard and dumb sometimes. Like, you, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care that much about what I have to say often. So the, uh, having like two people around who have like this sort of endless stream of ideas that are just like ideas for how a song should be made, that's all of a sudden like immediate, like, oh, great then this is how I have to write this thing. Or here's a rhythmic idea. That changes everything. Like, it's why I started rapping. I, you know, I was, I was, as a teenager, writing really terrible slam poems uh, <laughs> before I started writing rap songs. And then a friend of mine started making beats and didn't know any rappers and asked me if I would rap on this thing. And I said, sure. I had, you know, I've been obsessed with rap music since I was a, a very young child and I had sort of studied it but I didn't I I had no I didn't know anyone making beats so it wasn't a thing that I did and the constraint just the constraint of having rhythm like changed everything for me all of a sudden it was wide open so now working in a band with just an endless series of constraints is so great it's so much easier to write these songs than it is for me to write my own songs where I have to make so many more decisions by myself and where it's actually less constrained Every time I work with Bill and Jonathan, it's going to be the best sounding thing I've ever done. That's a funny thing to, like, we actually don't ever end up talking about what, like, obsessed audiophiles we are because so often uh, you know our beat is made out of like smashing glass or something that everyone assumes is this like lo-fi uh, like fuck it punk attitude and it's like, actually no we <laughs> everything's mixed really nicely we have really nice stuff we've got really good taste um, <laughs> you know I, we do and occasionally as an aesthetic we make something sound like shit and we use like some garbage piece yeah, of the yeah, gear yeah. but it's because it's we want it's like that's super intentional it's all very intentional there's no no clipping and clipping yeah it's <laughs> absolutely true I'm just going to say we're going to walk right past their comment about Tony being the oldest guy in the room. We're just going to walk right past that. We're not that. even going to comment at it. We're, we're not, not even going to mention take, yeah. any of the fact that Tony was absolutely the oldest person at the smell. No, because it's not funny and we're just going to move on from no, it. No, like it's not even worth mentioning and it's not worth mentioning that <laughs> you and Tony are the same. Age. No, none of these things are <laughs> worth mentioning. We're moving on. Um, <laughs> what we will mention, though is that even though we say at the end of every episode, we do, we say go to Sub Pop FM, check out Stuart Fletcher's amazing show notes and very thorough fact-checking on the things that we just gloss on by. Yeah, we're, right? all, we're all feelings and he's all facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really true. <laughs> this is the time when you just listen to us and go look at this stuff because so much good stuff is over there on this episode. Yeah, I mean, there's you're gonna we're gonna give you clips or links to Room 237 to David on Jimmy Fallon to their performance on James Corden, which is incredible. 
Maybe a picture of Sam's beard that he did not invent. Just just go over there. Just get out of here. I'm all frustrated. Go over to we'll subpop.fm. Finish this podcast because, you know, we have still some more news to oh, share. Oh, my goodness. And then go over there. Next time. Next time on the Subpop Podcast. Where? What? Where do you end up? <laughs> I end up on the ground in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> on the side of the road. Seriously, literally. On the side of two different roads. Sitting on the ground talking to men in Portland. That's the next episode. <laughs> Which men in particular? Oh, Hutch Harris from the Thermals. Uh, and nice. my new super crush, Kyle Craft. If you're <laughs> counting, that means from episode one, I fell in love with Kane, who works at the airport. And then episode two, I am officially in love with both Sam Beam and all three members of Clipping. <laughs> and then I fall in love again. It's out of control. Yeah. You're full of emotion. I am. Yeah. It's true. I'm a sensitive soul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, music you heard on today's yeah, episode. Yeah, what did we hear today? Today we heard Mud Honey, of course, along with Lelou's Iron and Wine, Sam Beam and Jessica Hoop, some ugly Casanova, Morgan Delt, Clipping, and Kristen Control. We did. And a big thanks to the staff and bosses over here at Sub Pop and Hardly Art. Thanks, you guys. Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't Maybe we to. could. Wouldn't want to. <laughs> um, this has been another edition of the Sub Pop Podcast. Visit us on the usual social media sites. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe. subscribe. Review us on iTunes, even though it's not that easy. Tell five friends to do the same, won't you? Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. I wish it was a pyramid scheme that pays off, but it doesn't. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Back next week. So Tad and Chardet are basically the same. Yeah, because Tad's like Tad Doyle, and he had a band called Tad. Chardet is Chardet Adu, I think, A-D-U, and she has a band called Chardet. I learned so much from you in these ads, Stuart.